Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. We are one church that meets in various locations across Greater Manchester. For more information about who we are and where we meet, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com Today we're going to be continuing a series that we've been doing in Matthew and the series is about the Kingdom of God and living for God now. And I've got a fantastic topic, uh, faithful relationships. Um, it's a really good time for me to be speaking about it, because what was Wednesday? Valentine's Day, someone remembered. Did anyone get a little card in the post with a question mark at the bottom of it, saying lots of love, your Valentine? Anyone get taken out for a nice meal? No, I didn't. Um, But on social media, I read this quote from Nicky Gumbel, and it says this, St. Valentine was imprisoned, beheaded, and buried on the 14th of February, 269 AD for helping persecuted Christians and marrying Christian couples. While in prison, he prayed for his jailer's daughter, and her blindness was healed. On the day of his execution, he left a note signed, your Valentine. I wonder if that's our impression of what Valentine's Day is all about. Sacrificial love, laying down our lives for the sake of other people to, um, in order for other people to experience the love of God and in order for the love of God and power of God to break in. Because of the way Valentine lived his life, this daughter of a jailer received her sight. That's that's love, isn't it? That's sacrificial love. And that's, what, that's the kind of Valentine's Day I can buy into. That kind of thing where we think about sacrificial love and loving one another faithfully in that way. This topic can be slightly um, difficult for some people. I don't know where you are in terms of relationship. I don't know where uh, you are in terms of friendship and marriage and all of that stuff. I I don't know where you're at. I don't know where your thinking is. I don't know where your feelings. I don't know where your behavior is. I don't know what your history is. So I'm just going to put that there right now. But I know God does. And God is in this place today. God is here. He's speaking. And I want him to, to be stirring our hearts and speaking into us. Jesus was a man, it says in John 1, 14, man full of grace and truth. The problem is when someone like me or other preachers speak on relationships, we don't have the perfect balance between truth and grace. And so sometimes we might say things which aren't as perfectly worded as what Christ may say them. And that might cause offence. And we might err on the grace side of things, and we might be like, oh, everything's fine, love is love, let's go there. Or we might err on the truth of things and think, oh, no, you must be this, you must do that, you must behave that way. But Jesus is a man full of grace and truth, perfectly balanced. Truth and grace are both important. And today is about starting a conversation and opening a conversation up about faithful relationships. Brings me on to my second thing that in my introduction. It's all about discipleship. And discipleship is a journey. Jesus gave this Sermon on the Mount, which we're going to read some of today. And he's talking to disciples and he's saying, Okay, come on this journey of learning and discovery with me. Come and be discipled and grow with me. And he wants to speak in and he wants to change and transform us. 
He wants to develop us along a discipleship journey, and we're all in different places along the discipleship journey. But here's his promise. It says in Philippians 1 verse 6, it says, He who began the good work in you will see it through to completion. Jesus, who is full of grace and truth, has begun a good work in you if you've come to know him. And he will see that work through to completion. It says in John 14, it says that if I go to heaven, I will send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will convict you of sin. So he will kind of point sin out in your life, things that are not right in your life. But he will also be your advocate and he'd be your helper. The Holy Spirit will help you along this path of discipleship. So that's kind of a few um, introductory points to what I'm saying. And so if you're in here and not thriving in faithful relationships, if you're in here and I say something that causes you to be offended or stumble or trip, the whole point of today is to take that into conversation with other people. Like we're in a church body together, let's be disciples along that journey. Let's discuss some of this stuff that I'm going to talk about today. Okay, that takes us on to Matthew 5, 27 to 32. I'm just going to read it out. It should be on the screen as well. But it says this. You have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. You have heard the law that says a man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a written notice of divorce. But I say that a man who divorces his wife unless she has been unfaithful causes her to commit adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman also commits adultery. And the heart of this message, the heart of this very message is this. And if you remember nothing else from what I say today, relationships are all about faithfulness. That's the heart of what this is. Faithfulness. Faithfulness is the heart of relationship. The whole of the Bible is about relationships. From beginning to end. So God created man in his own image. That's what it says in Genesis 1. God's image is a triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They are in relationship from the very beginning. We are designed in God's image, requiring and needing relationship. At the beginning, we walked with the Father in in the garden, humans did, and uh, and they, they were in relationship with God, perfect unity with God. But God also saw actually that it's not good for for man to be alone. And so he brought other humans for us to walk alongside and to do relationship with. Humans and the story of humanity that God began is all about relationship. Relationship with God and relationship with one another. It's a core part of who we are. And it's only when unfaithfulness comes in that relationships become damaged. And unfaithfulness there doesn't just talk about sexually, but it talks about all of us. It talks about the whole of us. And that's something Jesus is getting at here. It's not just about actions. It's about all of us. It's about the way we feel. It's the way that we have core beliefs. It's, It's all of us. 
Faithfulness in relationship goes much deeper than a sexual thing. In his commentary on this, Matthew Green says this, there needs to be some correlation between the heart and the deed. God is interested in loyalty, not legalism. The Jews aim to satisfy the law. Members of the kingdom aim to respond in wholehearted gratitude to the love of God. I love that. That's wonderful, isn't it? The the reason that we should love God and, and love his law is out of a response to the love of God towards us. The fact that God so loves you that he comes down. The fact that God loves you and adores you and wants to be in relationship that he'd die on a cross to pay for your sins. The fact that he, even while you were lost and far away, he would come towards you. That's the God that we we serve. And in response to that, we should think, okay, I want to be faithful to you, God. I want to be faithful towards you. I want to give you my all. I want to be in relationship. And the highest honor, it says in Romans 8, that one of the highest honors of salvation, coming to know Jesus, is this, that you are restored to the relationship with God. You're restored as his sons. He gives you a spirit of sonship so that you can be heirs with him. That's an incredible truth. The whole point of Christianity is to be restored to relationship with Jesus. Relationships get damaged when there is unfaithfulness. And that is what Jesus is teaching about here. In Romans 12, verses 1 to 2, it says this. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God because all he has done for you, because of all he has done for you, let them be living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You see, sometimes Jesus was talking to to the Jews and he was saying, sometimes you're trying to behave in a certain way by obedience to the law. And behavior is a good thing, but it's not where the the sin actually begins. The sin begins in the heart and the mind. The sin begins in what you believe. It begins in the core beliefs. It begins in who you are as a person. The unfaithfulness to him begins in there. And the way to be transformed is not by saying, okay, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to change my behavior. It is actually to realize that actually, no, I need to change my thinking, my attitudes, my behaviors, my foundational things. There's things within us that need discipling through. And it's only in that place where our mind is transformed that then brings the fruitfulness of our behavior really becoming transformed. The behaviour is just an external fruit of what's going on within. So we change our mind. And that is what worship is. So it's wonderful to gather and sing and have a nice time singing to God. And he does encounter us in those places. And sung worship is wonderful. But worship, true worship, is offering your whole self, heart, mind and soul to God. Your whole self, your whole body, the physical, the spiritual, the emotional, the thought life, all to God. That's true worship. And that's where we get restored in relationship to God. 
That's where our relationship with God flourishes. That's where we experience the intimacy of God. Now, I know that from walking with God for the last 20 years, that, that I know that actually when I'm in a place where I know I'm struggling with things and I'm not really quite connecting with God, I know generally that there's something going on within me, within my core beliefs that's either being challenged or provoked or I'm not willing to give to God or I'm not willing to, to listen to him on. And that causes separation in the relationship. Even today, you know, I know I walk in ways and I think, okay, I don't feel as close to you. I don't feel as intimate to you today. And I know that there's something within me that I need to think, okay, God, what needs changing? What needs transforming? What needs changing in my mind so that my behavior can change, so that my heart can be transformed? I love it because it's, a, it's not a thing where I'm, I'm condemned and uh, evicted from God's presence. No, I'm convicted so that I can get into God's presence further. So I become more intimate in that relationship with God. God loves being in relationship with us. He loves taking us on that journey. He loves kind of exploring and changing and transforming us. But we need to be willing to give ourselves wholeheartedly. Someone I heard recently speak on this uh, said, it's a living sacrifice uh, and I'm in the habit of crawling off the altar. So I'll just give you that. Sometimes we're in the habit of crawling away or trying to escape from what God is doing. So I've talked a lot about um, relationship to God and being restored to God and that, that kind of obedience to God and, uh, and that restoring. But that's not really what this topic that Jesus is addressing talks about. And I could hang out in there because it's probably a bit comfortable kind of thinking, okay, it's about my relationship with God, and, and it is. It totally is. But, but actually, Jesus here is addressing some very practical things. He's addressing our relationship with one another. When Jesus was asked what's the greatest commandment, he said to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind. But he also said the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And that is a really important thing. Faithfulness to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ to one another as humans on the earth is hugely important. And he wanted to teach into that. He wanted to say, actually, I want you to think about the way that you think about relationships, the way that you think. I I want you to be thinking about these things because unfaithfulness towards one another can cause damage to one another. And he doesn't want that. He wants us to love one another well so that we can be transformed more and more. Now, the truth is we're all being discipled in one way or another. We're either being discipled by the word of God and by him, or we're being being discipled by the culture and the society around us, the things we watch, the things that we have coming in. And generally, it's a mixture of both, isn't it? And we're mixing it both up. But God wants us to be in this place of being discipled into his image and likeness in relationships. There's a couple of areas that I just want to touch on. The first is sex and marriage. And the second is pornography. And I just want to address those things because I think Jesus addresses them. And I think they're big things in our society right now. Big things in the cultural uh, around us that are going on. I want us to take a moment to pause and to think. What are your beliefs around sex? 
and where is sex allowed and where is it good and where does it flourish and I want you to think actually my core beliefs because the the surrounding culture around marriage at the moment and sex isn't the same as what the Bible teaches the surrounding people that we often spend time with will have very different attitudes to sex and marriage to what scripture would teach And it's very easy for us to to take that on. I remember a TV program I used to watch growing up. Uh, It was Friends. uh, And Friends is an amazing program, fantastic program. But do you know it disciples you in the way that you think about sex and marriage and relationships and how sex is this casual thing that you can just go about doing here, there and everywhere, get slightly hurt, slightly damaged and then carry on and move on to the next person and then have a laugh about it and then move on to the next person and then move on to the next person. And We are discipled by the things that we watch and the culture and the way that it's thinking. And we need to transform our thinking and our attitude so it matches with scripture. This is what Jesus said about marriage. In Matthew 19, he said this, and it's when he's being asked about divorce. He said this, Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. There's many little comments in that that would jar in our society today. The male, the female, the the sex being in that place, the one fleshness, the joining together, the the fact that marriage is a, a continual thing that shouldn't be broken. There's many things in our society that kind of that would kind of really jar. And so as we start to think about this, what, what does it jar us? Like, is that jarring to us? Is it, is it jarring to you reading that? Is it challenging, provoking to you? It is to me, you know, because they're all thoughts that I'm thinking about, like, regularly, because it is always in the news, isn't it? It is always there. It's always like, okay, so it's challenged. Like, what do I think? What do I believe? And, and part of it is asking God to speak to us about it and doing that journey faithfully what is my attitude towards that what is my core underlying belief what is my thought life around that Jesus says that sex is a wonderful thing it's a glorious gift that God has given us it's a it's a good thing you can't read the scripture without knowing that sex is a good thing sometimes the church might teach you that it's not It might teach you that you should uh, completely avoid it 100%. But actually, in its right place, sex is a wonderful gift from the Father. A way for us to come together. And being one flesh isn't just about sex, but it is definitely about sex. You become one flesh as you have sex. As part of coming together. And if you read Song of Solomon, or if you listen to Tom O'Toole on the Song of Solomon, he will bring out all of this stuff the glory of sex and how it's kind of given to us as this amazing gift in marriage to enjoy one another and to connect together. But when it's done casually, it causes damage. When it's done outside of the place where God has placed it, it causes pain. And we see that all over our society right now. 
So just take a minute. Think about that. Rest on that. Let that rest on you. I encourage you this week, read this chapter again. Think about it. What is my core? What is my, like, what is my thought life around this? And now, moving on to porn. A nice light topic, isn't it, for a Sunday morning? Bet you're glad you came. Jesus opens this up. This isn't just about married couples, Matthew 5. Matthew 5, he says, anyone. Anyone, he talks about. So it's not just about married couples. It's about anyone thinking about this. Because anyone can have lustful thoughts and desires. Do you know that porn, UK is the second highest nation for the use of porn in the world. There's this quote on the screen, I think. It just says the UK is the most, this is one site, one site on the internet right now has 3.5 billion views per month. Well, that's a global statistic. That's not a, a UK statistic. That's like 16 million a day. That, that's, that's insane. One porn site out of all the hundreds of porn sites on the internet. Porn is a growing problem in our society. It's estimated that 53% of the population of the UK adults regularly use porn. Regularly. It's crazy, isn't it? 53, that's one in two people regularly using porn as something, as to take out their sexual pleasure. It used to be on the top shelves. When I was young, if I wanted to look at porn, I'd have had to go into a shop and I'd have had to face someone and I'd have to kind of, I'm quite short as well, so reaching to the top shelf would have been quite a a challenge. (laughs) Yeah, it's embarrassing, I give you that. That's the whole point. It used to be embarrassing, but in 2007, something changed. Do you know what happened in 2007? The iPhone. And I'm not blaming Apple. I'm not saying that. But that iPhone came out, which is like this amazing little computer in your pocket that has all this power to access whatever you want in secret and privacy. And it just changed the world forever, in good ways and bad ways. But for pornography, it just made it incredibly accessible. It took out the embarrassment of it. It took out the kind of guilt or the whatever. It took something away that stopped people from looking at it. And we have to be aware that there'll be people here who struggle with pornography. There'll be people in here today that do. I want to tell you that I used to struggle with pornography. Pornography was something that I really struggled with growing up. It was something that I was shown from a very early age by friends. A study actually suggests that most 12 or 13-year-olds have probably seen some form of pornography in their life right now. But pornography is damaging. It's damaging in all kinds of different ways. It is not faithful love. It is not faithful Love, it is not laying down your life. It's a lustful action that is always seen as unfaithful and sinful. I remember something that changed my vision and view of pornography was when I worked in a homeless shelter. When I worked in a homeless shelter in London, and one day this girl, probably a 20-year-old girl I think she was, 
Uh, and you could see that she was probably quite attractive. She, she was, you know, she looked okay, but she'd been sleeping rough on the street of London for the last three months. She was addicted to all kinds of drugs. And she was a mess. She was an absolute mess. Everything about her was in a mess. And it just brought this, meeting this girl and talking to her and seeing the, the mess and the violence that had happened towards her changed something about the view of porn that I had. When I met someone physically that I said, okay, this, this industry is causing damage to you. Oh my goodness, like that is, that is incredibly, da- my actions are causing this to happen or could cause this to happen. How is that me reading scripture and being faithful how is it me being loving to my brother and sister? How is it? How is it? Pornography is damaging. It's not a good thing. I was reading a report um, yesterday on the BBC, and an expert, an expert was saying, oh, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. You can look at that. It's good to look at it. It's just part of your private life. That's awful. That's one of the prevailing attitudes that's growing in our society. That is, oh, it's not a bad thing, it's not damaging. Pornography is being unfaithful. Yeah, I think that's, I'm going to put that there. And I want you to think about that this week. I want you to think about it. I don't mean to lay guilt on anyone. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. But I want to bring a conviction of the Spirit, actually, But God is good and God is faithful. He said there's a way out in Matthew 5. He said to cut off your hand and gouge out your eye. So if it's your problem, cut off your hand and gouge... No, I'm joking. Playing with you. (laughs) I don't want you to gouge out your eyes. I don't want you to... But what he's saying is that there's serious action that we can take. Like if this is one of our problems, if this is something we're struggling with on the discipleship journey, there is serious actions that we can take whether it's unfaithfulness in our relationships or whether it's just use of pornography, there is steps we can take. And one of the best ways, one of the best ways is to bring it into the light. It says this in James 5, 16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. In 1 John 1 verse 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. When was the last time that you had a dangerously honest conversation with someone? Like, when was the last time you just said to someone, actually, I need to talk to you about this. We, we need, I need help. We need to discuss this. I need to... So when was the last time that you were in a place where you felt like you could be completely honest with someone about relationship stuff? When was the last time? We should be having a culture where we're able to sharpen each other and talk to each other and challenge each other and say, how are you being unfaithful or faithful? Because if not, you end up on a road to unfaithfulness, which ends up in a road to separation. We need to be having these conversations. We need to be able to confess our sins to one another. But the glory of these verses is not just that we get to confess our sins to each other and tell each other. The glory of these uh, verses is this. 
It says, so that you may be healed. That's what James 5.16 says. You can experience freedom from the stuff that is causing you bondage, the stuff that is locking you down, the stuff that is holding on to you. You can be healed of that. Healing isn't just physical. It's emotional, it's mental, it's all of you. God wants to heal the whole body. And as we confess our sins, we can see the healing power of God break in. It says he will purify us from all unrighteousness. Romans 6 talks about how we're no longer slaves to sin, but we're slaves to righteousness. And I think it's in these dangerous conversations where we experience the freedom of God from some of the things that we try and hide. Think about what grows in the light. What grows in the dark, for one? Mushrooms do. I hate mushrooms. Evil. (laughs) fungus and mushrooms and and they grow in the dark you know the stuff that uh, sorry if you like mushrooms they're not nice they can poison you if you eat the wrong ones kill you forever (laughs) think about that fungus grows in the dark and fungus is not a good thing mold and you know that's it thrives in the dark but when you bring put something in the light beautiful things grow glorious things grow plants oak trees magnificent things Let's be a people who are committed to bringing things into the light so that we can talk about them, so that we can see the glory of God growing, something beautiful. And then there's the the conversation of, well, when should that conversation happen? Like, when, when should I talk to someone honestly? Is it when I've committed an action? When, when I've gone too far? Is that when I should talk to someone? No, we should be early in talking to people. I think temptation is not a sin. Jesus was tempted in every way. We know that. Temptation is not a sin. Going along with it, stepping into it is the sin. And I think we should be people who, who at this point of temptation, before we step into sin, we're having the conversation here. We're having the conversation here so that brothers and sisters know how we are feeling and the triggers that we have that might push us down a road of behavior and I think that's what Jesus is talking about as well he's not just talking about behavior he's changing attitudes feelings thought life because it changes the place where we're tempted as well we can be taken out of temptation by it so this is what I want to say don't just allow yourself to be discipled by the culture around you don't just allow yourself to be shaped by the things going on that you're reading and watching and and listening to, by the experts even in certain fields. Don't just allow that. Allow yourself to be discipled by the word of God. Allow yourself to be discipled. We're in that good relationship with God where he's speaking to us. Allow yourself to be discipled by one another as well. We are on that discipleship journey. And I want to encourage you this week to have some honest conversations. Now, I don't think this stuff is stuff that you have to share with everyone. Uh, in a minute, I'm going to get you to put your hand up if you're struggling with porn. I'm not, I'm not going to do that because it doesn't have to be like that. Not everyone has to know, but someone has to know. There has to be people in your life that you're talking to about the things that you're struggling with, the things that you're journeying on in relationships. He calls us to faithful discipleship and faithful relationships. 
Thanks for listening. To explore this sermon or learn more about our church, please navigate to the links provided in this podcast description. From there, you can connect with us on social media and you're welcome to check out the music links featured in this episode from our very own musicians. You can also discover current events and information about where we meet on Sundays and various groups or community projects that you can join in with. If you're interested in knowing more about us or wish to join us for one of our meetings, please reach out. Simply drop us an email at hello at ccm.org.uk We look forward to connecting with you. I follow